five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast in partnership with Kidney Care UK, sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love. Hi, and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior. My name is Dee Moore, and I am a stage four kidney warrior. This podcast is dedicated to encourage, educate, and inspire as we explore all aspects of kidney disease, related chronic illnesses, and health. If you have any questions or ideas for topics you would like me to cover, please get in contact with me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. My guests today from Northern Ireland are Megan and Andrew. Megan and Andrew join me today for the first episode in a series on love, relationships and CKD. Megan and Andrew share about building a relationship whilst navigating Megan's CKD journey. Hi, and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. How are you doing today, Megan and Andrew? Hiya. Hiya. How are you doing today? We're good, thank you. Doing well. Keeping out of mischief. Good, good, good. Welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. Today, we're starting a brand new series on the podcast, and the topic is love, relationships, and CKD. And today is part one in this series. Megan and Andrew are joining me today to share with us about their relationship and about their love and their experience of CKD. Everyone listening would know that, Megan, this isn't your first time on the podcast. You've actually been here before. And Megan shared her kidney warrior story with me. So please do check out Megan's kidney warrior story, which is available on Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. So That's episode 41, so do check that out. I'm really excited about this interview because I'd like to hear a good love story. So let's start at the very beginning. How did the two of you meet? So Andrea and me both went to the same university for a while. It was in second year that we met. He lived with a girl that I was friends with on my course and became part of the same friend group and it kind of just went from there really. What she's missing out is basically just sheer persistence of like I eventually wore her down to the point that she went from uh, to she just about tolerates me now. <laughs> what can I say? So she didn't immediately fall in it. So it wasn't love at first sight then from your perspective then Megan. I'm not the type of person that would really say believe in love at first sight, but for me, it's more personality anyway. He just thinks he's funny as well in saying that and (laughs) thinks he'll get a bit of a laugh, to be honest with you. Worth it. So you met whilst at university and got to know each other. And so tell me more about how your relationship grew. I suppose at the start, it was kind of just getting to know each other was pretty much all your effort do like you know we knew each other as friends etc but it was kind of getting to know each other a bit on a deeper level sort of understanding more about who each other are what we really liked or who we didn't like and sort of you know kind of going from there wasn't it yeah that was really how it started talking and yeah. right from there to be honest with you 
I suppose we did have a little bit of a crash course because when we got together, A was moving away for a job, sort of about what, four months? Four or five months later, yeah. Which we kind of knew about. And so it certainly made things a little bit more interesting. <laughs> yeah, I always felt like we had that looming over us a little bit at the beginning and him moving away, obviously wasn't easy but we managed to survive long distance and we're (laughs) (laughs) let's talk about ckd and relationships so for you as someone living with ckd how did that impact your journey in finding love and getting into relationships well i was diagnosed at five as you know so i think that partly put me off getting into a relationship. Andrew was actually my first boyfriend because one, I knew it was a lot to deal with and, you know, teenagers, young adults, not everybody can take that on. We were 21 when we met and I always felt like I nearly had this extra baggage because of what I was dealing with and going through and I Thankfully, I was transplanted at 12, so I wasn't on dialysis or anything like that. But obviously, you know, side effects still from fatigue and things like that. And also, you know, your medication and transplant patients and also dialysis patients will know the side effects that you deal with on a daily basis that the general population maybe aren't aware of. And I always was concerned of being in a relationship with someone and them possibly feeling like they couldn't cope with that and it probably made me quite apprehensive with starting a relationship with anybody in that sense. So at what point did you tell Andrew that you have CKD? So because we were friends before Andrew didn't know about it but he didn't obviously know the extent to the daily things that you know we deal with as CKD patients and Basically, near enough straight away, I said, well, you know, this is going on, but, you know, a curveball might come into my life at any point. Actually, just as we became long distance, I ended up with unknown sepsis. Bless Andrew, he flew over every other weekend to see me because I was really obviously unwell and I'm still actually on prophylactic antibiotics from that, you know, years later. But the likes of, you know, there's issues with pregnancy, as I said, the daily things that we deal with. And I wanted to know if he was really going to be in this for the long haul or not. And I obviously didn't go on our first date, by the way. But it was very early on, probably within the first month or so, I'd say. Second date. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably about the first month or so. I brought it up because I said, look, if you're not prepared to deal with this, I understand. But there's no point of us taking anything further if you aren't prepared to deal with this and thankfully he was and we're still here together today. So hearing that Andrew where Megan said that she felt that it was baggage that she would be bringing into a relationship how did you feel about that when you were getting to know Megan? I think it's one of those of when she kind of first talked about it as I say the first time I met her it's one of those of It came up that she'd had a transplant simply for the fact that I did not believe that what she was drinking was in fact Sprite. 
and you know being at sort of like it was sort of first year of union going on a night out and I've never met somebody so hyped up for a night out and so energetic that you know and so it sort of kind of started that conversation that's something that whilst you kind of know about you don't really meet that many people that are you know 20 years old and have been transplanted for what eight years and kind of so it was something that kind of it came and went and it was kind of a passing thought and then certainly as we kind of got to know each other a bit more you started to kind of again it kind of just struck me as "Eh, it's just one of those things and I suppose certainly until I probably sort of started to see the behind the scenes almost you kind of don't see how much it does affect day-to-day life because it is that of you know it's very hidden you don't necessarily look at somebody and think, oh, you know, they're going through dialysis or oh, they've had a transplant because, you know, thankfully you look normal now. You look absolutely fine. It's the sort of side effects of when you get to the end of the day and, you know, she's absolutely knackered because it just takes it out of you a bit more. And, you know, again, seeing that the fact of, you know, steroids blows you up from day to day, sort of, again, all the sort of little bits that start off with, it was completely oblivious to in honesty, you know. And so when she was sort of going on about, I've got all this baggage, et cetera, and it was kind of a, no, you don't. <laughs> Not in the sense that I didn't believe her, but as in, I think that Megan saw it as a lot more of a problem than I would have, or in the sense of it wasn't a big deal to me that she had all this going on, whereas I think Megan saw it as that's a lot for somebody to take on. Yeah, I actually remember just pointing in that we met in first year and then you had to take time out because you weren't well. But when you say that, I remember the conversation of you not believing that I wasn't drinking because I don't drink at all. I don't think it's worth the risk or anything. And it took you a wee while to nearly end of the conversation to believe that. It was close to the point of me having to take a drink I at least smelled it just like oh, I'll believe you this time <laughs> I just love thing too much that's my problem I was hyped for a night out we just finished exams to be fair so I was very excited about that to have the freedom for summer but yeah I don't need alcohol to go out and have a good time on a night out thankfully you come across really understanding in terms of what Megan was going through and Megan mentioned that you weren't well yourself was it that illness that gave you an understanding or empathy for what Megan was going through I certainly think it has it certainly changed my perspective on sort of kidney related things to not bore you with the entire details I was sort of found to have an obstruction from my kidney so it wasn't draining properly so it was called some hydronephrosis on the kidney and sort of what it ended up doing is, as a sort of a young adult going out and partying, it made me very ill any time I drank. So eventually, you know, thankfully, I, I got the sort of surgery to cut out the little bit of the obstruction and reattach it. And, you know, I'm pretty OK. But there was certainly for the period of about a year or so where I was experiencing a lot of sort of kidney related pain and sort of just the general association with, you know, a kidney that isn't doing what it's meant to do, certainly. Thankfully, I had one that was working in overdrive, so I can't even begin to imagine what it would be like for somebody with CKD and it not functioning at all. But I think it did certainly make me, as you said, a bit more empathetic 
well, if mine was only a fraction of that, that must have been tough. And so I think certainly as I kind of got no mine, because I'd had my own sort of experience to an extent, it certainly opened my eyes a bit more, at least be able to understand and bring some sort of emotional connection to it for myself of going, well, I know what that was kind of like, or I could kind of see where you're coming from that I think it helped. So as a young couple, I know that you're engaged. So congratulations on Thank your you. forthcoming marriage. Or commiserations from Megan, but we'll not tell you <laughs> As a young couple planning on marriage, what is the future for the two of you in terms of your plans? How is CKD impacting on your future plans in terms of family planning, say, for instance? I think that's probably the biggest impact that it has, you know, looking out into your future and thinking, well, where will I be in 5, 10, 15, 20 years? Career-wise, you know, we have our aspirations and goals of where we want to be at those times. But with family, it's a lot more difficult because of CKD. You know, pregnancy is very unknown and Thankfully, when we did get engaged, you know, my consultant said that my kidney function was good and that she had no concerns. But when the time was right and we were considering planning a family, that she would sit down with the both of us and go through everything. Because obviously there are risks involved for both myself, the baby and the kidney. And it does add an extra aspect into it. I think at the moment we're possibly considering maybe leaving that out and not going down that route just because of the associated risks. We have talked about adoption and that's something I think that we possibly will pursue. But we've also had to raise the possibility that we might not have children. Surrogacy is something that I don't really want to do personally because I don't know if I could see someone else carry my child and that's just a personal thing that I feel that I don't think I could do. So that's the big aspect. I think we're not really trying to think about it at the moment, but obviously, you know, we're getting married in less than three months. So it is something that comes up quite a lot, you know, and even the likes of family saying, well, you thinking about kids or when are you going to have children? And Apart from my immediate family, you know, like my parents, and I'm an only child, but some of my cousins are like brothers and sisters. There's a couple of them. They don't really understand that aspect of it. And, you know, they ask and you try not to get emotional. And normally I would take a second to pause and just say, look, we don't know if that is for us. And we'll just see what the future holds. And I generally leave it at that because I don't want to go into all the detail associated with it that it is something that we have spoken about and it was something that I brought up early on because I knew there was risks with it. And I said, look, Andrew, if you are set on having children, I don't know if I can give you that. And if that's the case, then this isn't meant to be. And thankfully that wasn't the case. You know, he said, look, we'll see what happens, but I don't need that. I want to be in the relationship with you. And That was one of the things that for me showed, one, how much he cared and loved me, but two, that he accepted me even with CKD and I say issues, but the obstacles is probably a better word that that creates for us and for the future. 
I think you highlighted one of the important things was that it escalated and made us have some very serious conversations, probably a heck of a lot earlier than you would ever even consider, because it is that of when there's a lot more process, shall we call it, of you've got to consider all of these things. And whilst you know that these things are maybe 5, 10, 20 years down the line, when they're not as easy as it would be for somebody that hasn't been on the same journey, it's something that you've kind of got to make sure that it's talked about now rather than making it an issue when it does come to the time. And I think that it's something that was quite difficult, particularly as sort of mentioned of at the time when we kind of started getting serious of we were doing it long distance and you know we barely saw each other that it did put a bit of a strain on then also talking about all of the potential limitations if that's the right or 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 more the different avenues we may need to take but it's something that was really important to do as early as possible to make sure that we were on the same page because all you can really ask for you know nobody has to be sort of given a certain hand but it's just kind of how do you play that how does it work out how do we come to something that works for both of us and I think we kind of got there I think it also made us a lot stronger having these conversations very early on as we said at the beginning we got to know each other on a deeper level and part of that was having these conversations and I think that's partly why we were able to cope with long distance so early on because we probably knew each other a lot better than other couples did at that stage because we had to have these conversations and we didn't say we didn't have a choice you know you could have postponed them until the time you're thinking about children but you know I personally didn't want to be five ten years in a relationship and then this be an issue I am generally an overthinker and overly organized. Andrea's going to laugh (laughs) because of what I am like with this wedding. So for me, you know, those issues were always generally in the forefront of my mind anyway. And I... I'm completely the opposite of I am about as laid back as it can possibly get. And so my answer to pretty much everything is always, I'll just wait and see what happens. For those types of questions and discussion, that wasn't possible. It made me bring them up, even when I was very anxious and nervous, you know, as you would be very early on in a relationship of talking about them, but it gave me that push to do so. And I think that is something that for us was quite essential, that we knew then from the get-go we were on the same page for 10, you know, 20 years down the line certainly rules out any potential surprises. So what other conversations do you think it's important for young couples such as yourself to be having? I certainly think for those that are thinking seriously etc that as Megan's kind of said talking about family planning is very very much an important thing particularly because now it's probably the worst way around of Megan not only had the CKD journey but she's also the one that would be having to put her body on the line Whereas if I was the one that was the kidney warrior, it might have been a very different conversation. But I think that certainly for us, that was one that was very important to understand what we both wanted, but also something that works for both of us. So it's not just, well, this is what I want, so I'm doing it. It made it a joint venture rather than 
I'm doing this and you know you either like it or leave it yeah I think also when you say that of it being a joint venture as you called it or you know a joint decision as such that it made me feel like I was on my own less you know growing up and being so young diagnosed with CKD I have personally felt like things have been more difficult like so if you know I was bullied as Andrew mentioned earlier from the round phrase from steroids and stuff I was called fat because of that I was bullied in different ways changing for PE because of the scars etc but that made me feel very lonely and isolated whereas having those discussions and making the decisions ourselves it is a partnership being in a relationship and that highlighted that I think another discussion that you need to speak about is the likes of, you know, those that are transplanted don't know how long a transplant's going to last. You know, it could last six months, it could last 60 years, you know, it could last 16 years. And I am thankfully very blessed that mine will be 15 years old this year. And even having those... Thank you very much. So, yes, those discussions of having... The likes of, you know, even what life is like on dialysis, if you are transplanted and saying, look, this is what I went through and this has had an impact on me because any CKD warrior will know that dialysis, even diet changes, fluid restrictions, whatever it may be that's associated with it has an impact on you. There's no way that it can. And vocalizing how that has affected you, because I know for myself, I react in certain ways because of it and explaining that to your partner that gives them a deeper understanding of you allows them to know then when things are possibly tough or you're struggling to cope with the condition that they understand why and it's maybe because of something that happened you know for me as I say I was diagnosed at five and had quite a difficult time I'm now 26, so over 20 years later, this is actually why I do that. And I think that's also partly why we are so strong as a couple. Like, we know each other inside and out. Obviously, we're together nearly six years. And part of that is just time. But I think that's helped you nearly get a better understanding as well. Yeah, I think it's also, let's face it, it was kind of sped up a little bit because you had a period where you really weren't well, you know, you had sepsis that wasn't diagnosed uh, and it got quite, quite close. And so again, because you had that period of where, when I first met you, you know, you were this lively, bubbly, vivacious sort of life of the party. And then it very quickly, it was almost like the veil's been torn and suddenly you see the other side of it, of how, quickly it can change because you know unfortunately there's always a risk and I think that it's certainly from my side helped sort of appreciate all of the connotations all of the responsibility the likes of why it is so important to make sure that you get your meds on the schedule and why your consultant appointments are so important and even just the likes of the support that you get from your renal team etc that to somebody that hasn't really experienced it it just kind of sounds like ah but would it be the end of the world or you know surely you're just being a little bit whereas when you start to see why 
you know, you kind of follow the routines that you follow because that's kind of kept you safe up until now. It helps kind of enlighten and then subsequently, hopefully, it helps because when you kind of, the other side understands it, it means that we can kind of try and help support you with it. Yeah, that was one of the things I also highlighted very early on was that, you know, a curveball could come into my life really at any moment because of CKD. And I think you didn't really quite understand that until that happened. And then, as I say, we were together about four months or so when I ended up in and they first thought that it was meningitis. So at that point, my mom stayed in the room with me. But no one else was allowed in. My dad was working, so I didn't really get to see him because of it. And you weren't allowed over at that point. They tried to do a lumbar puncture to confirm it, and they couldn't. But then the time frame had passed, so they knew it wasn't that. And they were doing so many tests to try and figure out what it was. And it was actually my renal consultant when she got the scans, said that it was sepsis. and. Just that was also a difficult time with me for other reasons in the hospital. So it was, it wasn't my normal hospital. And most CKD patients know that you feel very safe generally with your renal team. I know that I do. And other ones from Northern Ireland here have said the same to me. I don't know what it's like for the rest of the UK because I don't know what other trusts, etc. are like. But when you're in different hospital and I was in an administration ward for quite a long time so the renal team were kind of coming down to see me every few days etc that it wasn't anybody's fault that I was in that ward but that made the admission a lot more difficult and as I say because they also didn't know what it was it was a lot more difficult to treat as well and it was just a rough time, to be honest with you. There's no other way to put it. The, that really did shine a light on everything for you, I think. And, you know, at that point, it was probably a make or break for us, to be honest with you, because you were over in England, had started a new job, and then was dealing with everything that I was going through, not being able to be in the country the whole time. It was the one when you were still in isolation and sort of I came over to wave at you through a window, you know, whilst you're barely able to sort of move. It's a bit of a stress test for a relationship, that's for sure. Yeah, I know, for example, during that time I lost friends because they didn't understand, you know, what we were going through at the time. And it was realistically a point where I seen who was there for me and who wasn't, you know, university friends. They are really either friends for a few years or friends for life type thing. And because, you know, people are young, they like to go out and party generally. You know, they're first time away from home normally. And it is that. Oh, I think it showed me who my true friends were from university at that point. And thankfully, this guy was one of them and stuck around. <laughs> As you said, I think there's key points in life where you really do find out who the people who really genuinely care are. And one of them is when you have a serious illness. So, yes, it's wonderful to see that Andrew was there to support you through that time. 
So we've talked about some of the challenges that you've faced as a couple together. What would you say are the highlights? What would you say are the highs of your relationship? I mean, I guess certainly from my side is after seeing Megan, again, it's just a glimpse because I know that she's been through a lot more, but after seeing her so ill is being able to see the other side of it. And certainly at the moment, I mean, this year has been, I say year, it's only February, but it's been manic already, but in the best possible way of getting to see her flourish of she started a PhD promoting sort of being able to investigate CKD in relation to bettering patient care. She's just going from strength to strength, as I say. Probably the one downer for her is that she's getting stuck with me uh, in April. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's one of those, of, I think the biggest high is when you've seen somebody have to go through so much is then you start to celebrate the small things. And it's amazing how nice it is to see. You kind of just get this warm feeling of seeing somebody and, you know, it can just be something that so small that, you know, they're just out for a walk. Whereas, you know, that wasn't possible X amount of time before because they just didn't have the energy, they didn't have the strength, they didn't have the ability. And it's just something so heartwarming to say is whilst there is a lot of lows, you know, it's not easy you start to sort of celebrate all the little things and just see how great life can be. You're going to make me cry here. <laughs> oh, dear. He's so sweet. I know, he's very hard on himself, as you can hear, saying that he thinks the one downside to him. Definitely not. But I think, for me, the highs are those times when you feel... I'm going to use quote symbols because I don't like using this word, but I don't know other other ways to do it of normal you know like everybody else is the better way to say it because the likes of going away on holiday and having that time of doing these things and as I say being able to do my further education of my PhD and it's something that I am passionate about because it is kidney related is for me the highlights but the part of it is is that I have someone there by my side for those highs and someone that the biggest part for me was accepts me, even with CKD. Because, you know, like I said, I felt like this was this big baggage. And I probably was building it up in my head as well, you know, as we probably do. Because we live with this every day. And, you know, thinking that it was a lot more to take on at times possibly than it really was. You know, on good days, it might not be much to do with, but... You always go to that worst case scenario in your head normally and I think just having someone that is able to cope with that as well and as I say the highs are you know milestones that everybody else goes through like we bought our house last year I said we got engaged and we're getting married and having those highlights that are milestones that everybody else can go through really does mean a lot to me personally. The likes of my mum, bless her, gets emotional every time we talk about a wedding because we didn't know if I would actually be here for a wedding. You know, so as Andre said, those things mean a lot more because you didn't know whether they were actually possible. And that makes them probably a bigger high nearly for us than it does possibly other couples. It certainly puts a new appreciation on life. 
definitely makes life a lot nicer you know so what advice do you have for a couple a young couple starting out in their relationship navigating their journey with ckd certainly from my side is you can never talk enough it's one of those of it will not always be easy and so being able to communicate even just being that you know it's one of those of as much as I like to make it look easy it has been tough for me as well the problem is then you almost feel guilty because whilst you're feeling sorry for yourself because it's a bit tough you know she was lying in a hospital bed really not well and so being able to have those conversations to be able to support each other in that sort of way is essential because it's not going away it's not going to suddenly disappear tomorrow that it's the biggest thing I think that being able to talk to each other about it even just you know it gets to the point where I know where she's not as good or she knows when I'm not as good it's something that is really big to be able to help deal with all of this yeah I was going to say communication as well I think you know times when maybe we're both tired and life has been a bit stressful we maybe don't communicate as much you know you see more of a strain the way other couples would you know no couple's perfect in that sense of it but to me also it would be communicating early on I think was one of the big things for us with regards to everything that I was going through and as you know I said that again the baggage where Andrew didn't really see it as that he just seen it as a part of me and you can nearly have a sigh of relief when you hear that now I go in my head well not everything probably has been quite seen as it is. Like, you know, we said about the sepsis being a real eye-opener for you, but I think it is that of just vocalising even how you feel and how you're coping with it. Because there's days that uh, I do feel quite low and that now Andrew knows me so well, he just knows nearly by looking at me. But obviously early on in the relationship, that's not possible. And even just the advice of get to know each other the way everybody else would enjoy that funny feeling that you have at the beginning of a relationship because it's exciting you're getting to know this person and do all of those different things like you know go for mini golf on a date or go for a dinner or whatever and enjoy that time of getting to know each other because six years down the line nearly you know each other inside out compared to the beginning thankfully there is some things we still find out about each other but there's nothing quite like that beginning as such and it's something that I really appreciate now looking back that you know we did all of those things and had that time together especially because we knew that Andrew was moving away you probably tried to squeeze it in a bit more than most couples would yeah I think the only other bit that I'd probably say is the fact just to remember that just because you have CKD, etc., that's not everything that you are. And I think that's certainly the fact of Megan is the most amazing person I've met. Similarly, the amount of people that I've met through Megan that have had similar amazing journeys, like most of the people that I've ever met that have had CKD or have had to suffer with sort of similar or go through that journey are the most amazing people. But they also tend to be so very conceited to the fact that they go, well, that's all, you know, 
they don't see the fact that how amazing it makes them and they kind of feel like it's a limit rather than a superpower. Yeah, I think for me, that's the thing that you highlight, you know, over the past few years, Andrew has helped me see who I actually am because I nearly always seen that as a label rather than a part of me. And it's not the whole picture. You know, I play the drums. I like to draw. I like to go to the gym, weirdly enough, on all of these different things that it's probably gave me confidence in myself seeing that that doesn't quite define me. And that's probably a piece of advice that I would give as well to other people with CKD is don't see that as that's who you entirely are because you have all of these talents and hobbies that make you and you have your own personality that no one else has. You know, you're an individual and that is something that it's only been recently and through the help of Andrew and also my parents, etc., and other family members have really helped me see in the past few years. And that also then I think would give you the confidence to go out on dates or possibly start a relationship as well because you see yourself when you look in the mirror as an individual rather than a patient. What resources or support have you had that has helped you? I think for me, my renal consultant being very open, the likes of if Andrea ever needed to come in with me and speak, the likes of when we get to the time of thinking about children, and it was said for us to come in and have a talk. And even just the likes of Andrew getting to know my consultant in such ways. Now, I obviously know her an awful lot better because I am the patient as such, but I think even my parents have been a bit of a support too in helping explain probably is there anything you really want to say I was gonna say I know certainly from my side of my both friends and family it's amazing having people that you trust and can speak to sort of just openly about and usually nine times out of ten it's them telling me to stop being an idiot and to chill out and it's amazing how sometimes you kind of (laughs) need that you know, you need that sort of viewpoint from somebody else that's objectively that, you know, they don't really care about anything other than you that are able to tell you when you're getting so caught up in things or you're kind of not seeing the bigger picture. And I think that certainly over the past five, six years, that has been something that I've needed from time to time where you get so caught up in something small or something so focused that you kind of forget everything else that's going on. You know, sometimes that's been when we've been having stupid fights. Sometimes that's been when bigger things are going on and it's been a little bit more difficult. You need that outlet to be able to kind of just let it all go. I've only actually became a member of the Facebook group for young adults from Kidney Care UK. I don't know the official name of it, but that's something that I've seen you know, other people put in and ask for help with relationships, etc. And that I think is a really good resource because it's people of a similar age in a similar position to you. You know, there's so many different kidney diseases that everybody's journey is also different in that. But it's getting people who understand 
I think is a really good thing. Now, I haven't personally asked for advice in it. And as I say, I've only became a member in the past recent years. But I think that's a good resource that's out there for people if they are looking for something, because it can also be anonymous as well. And therefore, then, if they maybe don't feel like they want to be identified or associated with the question, they don't have to be. So that's the Kidney UK Young Adults Kidney Group that you're referring to? Yes, that's the official name of it. (laughs) She was just testing you, you see. (laughs) (laughs) So for anyone that wants to follow you on social media, what are your handles? So my Instagram handle is at Megan Cairns. Um, my Twitter is at mhcairns1 because Megan Cairns was already taken. Still better about that. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be Megan Cairns for much longer anyway. So what final piece of encouragement do you have for the listeners? suppose it's one of those. Of, I think the biggest thing is to take a step back and appreciate where you're at because it's taken a long hard road for most people that have been through some form of CKD or even on the periphery as their friends of their family and sometimes you kind of need to take that step back and you need to appreciate just how far you've came because it's so easy to get caught up in everything that's happened and all of the really tough times that you kind of forget all of the small little things that it's amazing how much of a difference they can make. I think for me is, from a personal standpoint, is don't let it be a hindrance. You know, we spoke about how everything I've been through in ways has made me stronger. It's also made me, I say, probably not quite weaker, but, you know, as I said earlier, that I react in certain ways because of certain things. But, you know, the strength that it takes someone with CKD to go through their journey and use that when you are possibly talking about things like family planning or telling someone that you have CKD, you know, it's not any different to telling a friend and try and look at it that way that can take away the difficulties from the situation. And just kind of have fun dating, as I said earlier, you know, don't have that looming over your head and make you anxious when you're out on a date. You know, enjoy your time. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me and for sharing your love story. Thank you so much for being so open and so honest in this interview. I know that it will help so many young people who are dating and looking for love. So thank you so much. No problem. Thank you for having us. Yes, second that. Thank you for listening to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. And don't forget that you can contact me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Please do subscribe to the podcast and please do tell a friend. New episodes of this podcast are released every other Monday. Until next time, take care and choose to live. Diary of a Kidney Warrior, sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love.